So recently we had a conversation, uh, our group did a couple of weeks ago, where uh, how would you classify that conversation? If you wanted to convey it to people, because I don't know. Um, you talking about when we stayed at your crib after? When we came, yeah, 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 we were here. And I, I would say it was uh, just a full initiation into blockchain. Uh, blockchain, like decentralized finance and, uh, and blockchain specifically some Bitcoin, but, but a little bit, a little bit more into just decentralized finance and why you need to be looking at that, why it's something that you need to understand, even if you don't want to play, which is ill-advised, <laughs> but even if you don't want to play, you need to understand because, uh, we're on the precipice of, uh, something that's inevitably happened every other time in history, <laughs> um, and uh, I would say that it was it was kind of just initiation. If you have closed your eyes, plugged your ears, and said "see no evil, hear no evil" uh, for your whole life, or you have just uh, you know sucked on the pacifier that is Dave Ramsey, uh, you might have uh, you might have missed what uh, what was shared. But yeah, it was it was high level view, but also deep enough that if you had never heard any of it, you're like, okay, it actually sparked some interest of wanting to know more. Okay, thank you, because I just, you know, obviously I have my opinion on how mm -hmm. I presented it, but how it was received is important. And um, the same way that we kicked off that conversation, uh, and for more clarity for everybody, basically what I, I did was I used uh, this accountability group that James and I are in as a primer to get a gauge on how I, I, I've been structuring um, one of the educational seminars that I have through my Native Assets platform, uh, which is a blockchain firm, and we do education consultation, advising, that sort of thing. Uh, but basically, how we started that whole conversation was to look at how you create wealth, right? Mm -hmm. It's three things. We secure capital. Uh, we obtain the capital. We secure that capital. And then we activate that capital, right? And so, in my experience, in my studies, and even a Dave, a Dave Ramsey, you know, or a Robert Kiyosaki, or a, you know, Paul Tudor Jones, those three things is what you have to do to build wealth. And so get the capital, right? So the first thing that you're going to want to do is get enough money to cover your immediate living expenses for some duration of time, right? Uh, at a minimum, you want a month, but typically if you're in a three to six month period, it's that that's a good place to be in, right? And once you have that, and once you have that nest egg, that rainy day fund, literally bread that's used for nothing else, but like break in case of emergency. Now, Whatever you have after that, you can start to play with in terms of capital. Now, that's oversimplification. Some people may have an issue with that. You know, there's one guy you introduced me to. His name is Ryan, you know, and he has a finance course. So I'm curious what his thoughts might be on how I just really, you know, condensed a lot right there and maybe skirted over some things. But basically, you do that, right? Point being, you don't want to put anything into the market that you cannot stand to lose. And so if you at least have your living expenses come for the next three, four, five, six months, literally to maintain the exact same level of living that you have now or higher, then technically speaking, anything that you may put in the market that gets lost, not that you won't miss it, but you're not going to go hungry, lose your house, any of that other stuff. So once you do that, you have capital secured. So as some people may be aware, money often loses its value, um, particularly if it is a thing known as fiat. You're right? going to have to explain what fiat is to these people. <laughs> okay. So fiat is the Latin for faith. All right. Fiel in Spanish faith in English, but basically it means any currency that is not backed by an actual asset, but is rather backed by the belief that it is valuable. So the faith of it. Now, it wasn't always this way. Back in the day, we had the gold standard, you know, money, uh, you turned in your dollar, you would be able to redeem a dollar's worth of gold, 
right? And even though that ratio may have changed over time, it was still redeemable for an actual hard asset. Uh, everybody knows the story. Back in the day, people, some people used clamshells and stuff like that. But effectively, some sort of collateral that represent when you gave out the money, the currency, it was really just a more portable, divisible way to circulate what was a claim on the value of that underlying asset, whether it's gold um, or seashells or what it more so is today, which is oil. Um, but even that technically is not the case, which is why it's still a fiat currency. Um, even though we have a petrol dollar system, euro dollar system, any of that, that's that's too in depth for this conversation. But basically, <laughs> know that fiat currencies have a tendency to lose their value. Uh, so this happens through inflation. This can happen through money printing. And just a little fun fact: all the money, the U.S. dollar circulating supply, over twenty percent of all of that supply was printed in the last eighteen months. Just some food for thought. So anyhow, how do we inflation? <laughs> right. So then the question becomes: How do we skirt this? How do we secure our capital? Because mm-hmm. basically, your capital is at risk of a few things. Theft, destruction, and it's depreciation. So inflation, fiat currency, by default, it has that built-in mechanism. It is going to depreciate the value of that currency eventually. Another fun fact, don't believe me, do your own research. Every fiat currency in the history of existence of mankind, recorded history, has gone to zero. Absolute zero, not dropped in value, but zero worth nothing. Okay, just some food for thought. So then uh, the risk of theft. Most people don't actually have to worry about that because they don't keep large sums of money in there on their persons or in their home or anywhere they can be accessed. Most people keep their money stored digitally inside of somebody else's ledger known as the bank. Right. And their money effectively has been turned into not even the paper claim of nothingness, but into a one and zero byte digit binary in a screen that says you have $100, a million dollars, $100 million, right? Which is important for this transition of people wrapping their heads around digital currencies, right? And then the last threat to the money of the capital is its destruction. So some people may be familiar with a, a rapper named Nipsey Hussle. In one of his, um, in one of his poems, as I'm going to call it, he detailed a story where him and his brother had buried six figures worth of cash in their backyard for security purposes. And then they went to dig it up sometime later. I don't know how long it was. And they, they realized the money had molded. Not worth anything at this point now. So you gain your capital, obtain it, right? And then you want to secure it. So protect it from depreciation, protect it from destruction, protect it from theft. Then you got to deploy that money. You got to activate it. Right. The most simplest way of this happening is most people, they leave their money or most people traditionally would think about the stock market. They put their money into the stock market. You buy Apple, you buy Tesla, and then you hope for it to go up and you sell it. And then, you know, you, you've made a capital gain. Uh, but there's many different ways to do it. Right. And the market is, is one vehicle through which typically that is going to be done. And so something we talked about in that last meeting is that the market is going to do a few things. Right. Uh, it craves efficiency. Right. Uh, but it needs liquidity. And so by providing that liquidity, you can put yourself in a position where you could earn money, fees, uh, interest, and whatnot. So that's super, super high level. More specifically, what we have entered into is another (laughs) bull market of this here blockchain industry, this blockchain, this cryptocurrency market. And bull markets, bear markets, they're a natural part of any healthy market. You, you, You go up in value, go up in value, and then things are overvalued, they crash back down. Now that whole process of crashing at the bear market, and then you rise back up once more. Another 
bull market and these things happen on different time scales. You can see this happen on the micro where this is going on on a, a daily time frame, a weekly time frame, a monthly time frame, you know, yearly. It all is about how you look at it. But we are in a bull market right now, arguably for damn near everything, but uh, we're in a bull market specifically for crypto and blockchain. So what does this mean for people? Um, basically, what it means is another opportunity has arisen where people can invest their money into a market where the returns are likely, this is not financial advice, likely to be higher than a lot of other assets that people might be fixated on because of historical precedents, because of fear, because they're uncomfortable with it, because they lack the knowledge, which is why native assets exist. You know, <laughs> but the thing is, underlying all of that is there's a belief in value, right? Value transfer is going on. So when the price of Tesla goes up, it's because a lot of people think this thing is valuable or they think it's going to make the money. They're speculating. So they put money into it. And now it's market cap grows, so it's worth more. And then it's just kind of this, this self-fulfilling prophecy. And without, once again, getting too deep into it, the Bitcoin halving happened last year. And uh, so the mining reward got cut in half, or the block reward, rather. And so now there's, uh, there's less Bitcoin created every time uh, a block is, is mined, is solved. And so it's reminding people of the scarce nature of it. And I really suppose this whole conversation is really just about trying to remind people that there are different ways to improve your position financially and monetarily, right? Uh, I'm not sure about you, but historically, most of my life, the idea of improving my financial situation came through means of, okay, I got to either work more hours or work a job that pays me more. Have you found it a similar experience for yourself? Yeah, that's usually what it is. You know, just uh, work 16 instead of eight mm -hmm. or just don't sleep on a weekend on a mm -hmm. game day, um, a couple grand. Um, yeah. Or just dislike your job and work for the same rate and have to figure something else out or just not have the money. Yeah, or cut expenses. That's something that people do. That's often yeah, a good place I mean, to start. Definitely, but you know, there's not there's not a whole lot of things that you can be doing. You can be doing one thing today and another thing mm -hmm. tomorrow, and be in a different spot monetarily. Yeah, uh, and I just raised that point up because I think a lot of people, and I feel this has changed a lot in the last year, two years. As people have more time to sit at home, study, do research. Um, obviously, most people will be familiar with what happened with GameStop and. Uh, AME and uh, AMC, all this other stuff. But investing, I think, historically has kind of been mystified and occulted as this thing that you can only do if you have oodles and oodles of money, millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars. And I think that's rightly so because once upon a time that was the case. For you to get exposure to a certain asset class, for you to be able to get into a certain fund uh, or even be taken on as a client by certain family offices, financial managers, wealth managers, whatever, you had to make a certain amount of money annually and be able to prove that through your taxes. And most people aren't in that boat. So most people just say, oh, okay, well, the investing I'm going to do is going to be go to my job, sign up for the retirement plan, and then hope I earn, you know, one and a half percent a year, you know, for the next 30, 40 years, and that'll be enough for me to retire on. Now, the beauty about compounding interest is like, it's going to grow. It'll snowball. But the way those vehicles are usually structured is that they minimize risk. And so by necessity, they have to minimize returns. Because to be a highly profitable investor, you have to try to look for asymmetric upside. Opportunities that have more room to grow 
vertically in terms of appreciation than they do downside to collapse. And typically the investments that make people more money are the quote unquote riskier ones until they're not risky anymore because they've been de-risked by so many people entering the market or becoming so widespread that now you lose risk and you lose the upside magnitude of its appreciation, which is why we're such a crazy impasse with this Bitcoin, this cryptocurrency, and this blockchain stuff, because there's a having every four years, right? And that's Bitcoin drives the entire blockchain market, like it, crypto market. It just is in terms of the, the financial side. And eventually it will be prominent enough. It'll be widespread enough. And I'm not saying it's going to take over the whole world. It could. <laughs> I'm not saying it will. But as it gains more prominence, the fact that us even sitting here talking on this podcast, this thing's been around a decade. I wasn't talking about this when we were in high school. You know what I mean? So every time we go through this bull run, more participants come in, more people who are on the fence are convinced. I became convinced in 2017. That's when I got into the market. And I stayed in it ever since then. I feel like this is the first market you jumped into now. And so then four years from now, or three years from now, when it's popping again, you'll be able to step back and guide some people if you so choose. Just like, oh yeah, so you just coming in? Come on, come on, let me show you the way. Let me show you what I've learned in this time. And so that being the case, People have a unique opportunity to make some investments, no matter the size, whether it's a dollar, whether it's a million dollars, whether it's a billion dollars, and see upside that you will be very hard pressed to find in any other industry realm. You know, I don't know if top of my head. Do you know how much Tesla went up since like March of 2020? Uh, no, I made some money on it, but I, <laughs> I have uh, I have no idea. Um, okay. I know that it did. I mean, right around the time when he, or excuse me, when when Elon was was when they were talking about that truck. Um, oh like yeah, kind of bumped. Truck. Yeah, we kind of bumped there the Tesla truck and stock split. Yeah, and then uh, people also started, you know, kind of leaning in when SpaceX started to to play mm. some games and do some things. Uh, that's also an interesting thing yeah. that we should talk about another <laughs> another podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, I have no idea where. Okay, what's that right now? I'd seem way more credible if I knew this stat off the top of my head. But point is, it went up a lot. Like a few hundred percent, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. However, still pales in comparison to some other assets. Bitcoin. Bitcoin is up. When it was around 60,000, I think we're like 53 or something right now. Or 50, I just looked at it before we got on here. We're okay. at like 53, 53.2. <laughs> right. When it peaked out around 58, at that, around that time frame, I don't even think it was necessarily that day but it was up 9,000% since March of 2020. And some people know this, some people don't. I don't know the exact figure. It's in the tens of thousands, if not the millions, literally no exaggeration. But Bitcoin is the best performing asset in human history ever recorded in terms of returns. That's going to go down. So until then, there's some money to be made. And... um, and all I really, all my hopes really are for, for this particular conversation is that it can shed a little bit of light on the fact that to build substantial wealth, you cannot hoard money. I have a buddy of mine, we were talking the other day, and he shared that he's sitting on tens of thousands of dollars, but he's afraid to spend 50 because he doesn't want to see that number go down. And I know that there are a lot of people who relate to that. When I was first getting into really trying to save money several years ago, you know, I saved $1,000 and I was like, damn, I don't want to spend it because I got this thousand. If I spend it, it'll be less than that. And people sometimes fall more in love with seeing the money they have than growing the money that they have. 
That's a dangerous place to be in. And so my hope is that people are encouraged to know that whether you choose to put your money in something like Tesla or you put it into some oil stock or you put it into some green energy company or you buy some of some fashion, it really doesn't matter what you put it in, whether you want to just find a high earnings interest account, do whatever, take advantage of DeFi stuff, you know, decentralized finance. You got to make your money work for you eventually or you will always work for your money. And these last few years have just been so eye-opening as I've seen peers around me, people that I went to school with, that I've been close to in different capacities in my life, make, take decisive action to do things that are a little bit outside of the norm and then stick to that plan. Be brave enough to take that risk, which is what investing is. It is a risk, but their lives have been changed by it. Between dudes, you know, going out and doing Forex trading, you know what I'm saying? And then recruiting and teaching people how to do that, uh, to going out and getting after it in wholesale real estate, you know what I'm saying? Buying businesses that were failing to then rehab them into profitable businesses. Uh, as we're seeing in this NFT space, Artists are really starting to get some of their just due and recapture some of the value that they have just let be, you know, the, the playground of whatever platform they put it on for advertising purposes, for marketing purposes, whatever, recapture that value. And all around me, all I'm really just seeing is that there are people who are letting their money work for them and there are people who are working for their money and the gap is growing wider and wider and wider. And I don't know, man, I just want to see people win, bro. And I've had conversations with folks where they get into this like unit bias or they just start to think that, oh, okay, well, I only have $10, I only have $100. It's like, it doesn't matter. We're looking at magnitude. We're looking at percentage change. What's the delta? Because if somebody grows their portfolio or their net worth by 10%, if you had $10, you made a dollar. If you had a billion dollars, you made a hundred million. Does 10% steam still seem irrelevant? <laughs> yeah, I think it can uh, it can definitely be something that seems super irrelevant when uh when you're when you're making not that much because you can't necessarily do so much with that uh those realized gains. But um I think it is important to to really bring attention to the, the fact that it's still the same percentage. So you shouldn't just not do something because you don't have that cash on hand. Because if you wait around till you have that cash on hand, chances are, by nature of the Forbes Top 100 list, <laughs> you'll never hit it. So you might as well just start now. Yeah, man. Has there any been, like, what was, um, what was like a major catalyst or changing point that got you to start investing? Because I know you recently did some more blockchain-specific investing, but I know that's not the first time you invested. So what got you to be like, you know what, I'm going to put my money down, take the risk, but get into the game of what these other people are doing to build wealth? Uh, I mean, I would, I would say there's, there's definitely some influence from my, from my network. Um, there's also, I got into a course with, you know, you mentioned Ryan earlier, Ryan Odom, uh, Bullish Academy. That was a damn time to kind of switch. It didn't, it wasn't necessarily... It was a catalyst. It was a catalyst for investment, but it was more so a way to change the way that I viewed money. And then you combine that with the countless conversations you and I have had off off camera about what you're doing, what you would recommend doing, what you were 
recommending other clientele do. Um, and it, it kind of was just up in my face that, ah, you know, yeah, I, I would, I would love to have, you know, 30 racks to throw at this because the percentage swing on that would yield me, you know, the, uh, the money that anyone would need for a yearly salary in one swing, knowing that, but then also realizing that I'm, I don't, have the time to wait around because what is swinging right now and what can give me that monetary return right now is probably not going to be the same thing that can do that in five years or six years or 18 months. So I might as well swing now. And I am no, no, uh, I'm no enemy to radical action. So I am absolutely (laughs) happy to take the swing and and just bet. I mean, you know, you, you have to be, in my view, I've had less experience with investing than than you have for sure, but you got to be willing to throw that money on the ground. And if you're not, you probably shouldn't play with it. No. If you're refinancing your house to to try to play the other side of that short on GameStop, might not be the the smartest <laughs> idea. If you win, will you win big? Absolutely. Throwing that much money down, even if your house your house two hundred k, throwing hundred k down on the other direction of that, when you knew that you were fighting the man. Cool. But if you lose, you might be out of that house. And if you're out of that house, I don't know that that swing is, that downside is worth the potential upside. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say it, it was a combination of things. Definitely external pressure, though. Not a lot of internal pressure. More external, like, hey, have you seen? Have you mm-hmm. looked at? Have you thought about looking at? Here's what I'm doing. Not saying you have to do any of this. Do some more research. I know you're a research guy. Look into it. Mm-hmm. I would be remiss if I didn't tell you like tons of conversations like that. Then I was finally like, you know, uh, I've always worked for my money. At some point I need the money to work for me. So I'm going to continue to work for money, but I'm going to also allocate funds over to work for me or I'm never going to get out of the rat race. Yeah. That's very well said, man. Um, yeah. You said a lot there. And I think uh, if it, everybody run that back. What James just said, that's those few <laughs> moments. It's really like the, the, the condensed version point of this whole conversation. Um, you know, at some point, there's either signals or signs that just let you know, like, hey, now's a good time for X, Y, Z in the third, because that is the thing about investing in markets. Time horizons are very, very important. Uh, you get them right, and you can win. You get them wrong, and you can lose. Um, you know, you, managing greed, managing expectations, all these different things. But... Um, yeah, man, I think that anybody who's considering it should feel encouraged to start somewhere. There's so many resources. Uh, there's a lot of free resources. There's paid resources as well, and there's different quality of resources. But if somebody's willing to do the work, they can find out how to get started, what are the best ways to achieve what they're trying to achieve, and uh, even, too, in a lot of ways, find something, an investment vehicle that aligns with their deeper values. You know, like there's certain things that could make money, but I personally would never invest in because maybe I don't believe in it. Like, let's say Lockheed Martin, I'll never buy that shit. You know, because they manufacture death. You know what I mean? I'm sure it's very profitable. But, you know, and there's some people who will never put their money in crypto or blockchain because they think it's a scheme or a Ponzi or whatever. Um, but that's kind of the cool thing is that there's no right way necessarily. One right way. There is a right way, but there's no one right way to invest and grow your money. Um, and we're at the point where it's democratized. Anybody can do it. So why wait? Um, so with that, as we kind of bring this thing to a close, uh, I'm going to look back at y'all again. 
I would recommend, if I'm going to just be biased, right? We're going to talk about blockchain a little bit longer. We're going to talk about some Bitcoin, right? If you did nothing else in this bull run, right? If this did nothing else for you, I would highly recommend you do this thing called dollar cost averaging. You can do this with any asset, any investment vehicle you believe in, right? But specifically, set something up that will automatically make purchases or investments into the vehicle that you believe in. People usually do this already with their 401ks and their mandatory contributions from their job, whatever. But set something up like this for Bitcoin would be my recommendation to my strong recommendation. It's not financial advice, but it's just something I am doing personally that has worked well for me. You set it up, and then automatically you can have it due every day, every week, every month, whatever you choose. It will automatically buy some Bitcoin for you. And then that way, you can set a much longer time horizon. Some people throw around a lot of real big numbers on what Bitcoin could do in this cycle. That remains to be seen. We'll have to find out. But in the long run, I am of the belief, and the data has demonstrated, that it is likely to be at a higher number than we have seen it at thus far. Um, a number that could potentially be in the six figures or possibly even seven figures. Now, if there was even a 1% chance of that happening, why not put maybe 1%, 2%, 3% of what you save in that direction? So if you save 20% of your uh, monthly salary, let's say it was $1,000, so you save 200 Take 10%, 5%, whatever you're comfortable with of that 200, just get you some Bitcoin, right? Oh, and Ethereum too, because Ethereum has more room to move to that side. But anyhow, that would just be a recommendation. The best service to do it through Bitcoin is Swan Bitcoin. Uh, if you want to support uh, native assets and what we're doing here, Swan Bitcoin slash native is the uh, affiliate link that would help with that. But you'll get 10 free dollars of Bitcoin, but you obviously don't have to use that link, but it is the cheapest in the industry to use Swan Bitcoin. And for Ethereum, Shop around. You can do it on Gemini. You can do it on Coinbase. You can do it on Kraken. But get in the crypto game, and you'll probably be glad you did sometime down the road, as long as you hold on to it. But uh, yeah, man, you got anything for him, James? Nope. Use one of our swans, or use neither of our swans. Oh yeah, what's um, yours? Throw yours in there, bro. The James M. Just forward slash the James M. Uh, but regardless, the bigger point here is that Swan is. From everything I can see, the best way for you to start recurring deposits into Bitcoin, uh, and it's a little bit more technical than that. However, basically you saving through Bitcoin, that is a way, that is the way that if you do nothing else, I would definitely recommend you do. Um, use one of our codes or use neither of our codes. Say your full one again because they might get confused. It's forward, so it's swanbitcoin.com and then forward slash T-H-E-J-A-M-E-S-M, the James M. Um, yeah, that's it. I mean, regardless, look into it. If for no other other thing than to throw 1% or 2% of what you're already going to save, I think it makes sense. And uh, you don't have to give us any of the upside either. You can do it <clears throat> You can do it 100% by yourself. Uh, and that's totally fine. And we will, uh, we will celebrate that you're doing that because you are preparing yourself for the future. That's all I got. Yeah. Love it. Well, as always, we appreciate your time. And uh, we look forward to the next one with y'all. Till then, y'all stay blessed. Y'all stay balanced. We're going to holler at y'all. Peace.